Hey everyone, it's Michael Stevens, and before we start today's episode, I want to thank you all for your support. I know things here at the show haven't been as reliable. That's because I was going through some life and career changes. So thank you for sticking with me and joining me here on our new Thursday show. When we last talked, our protagonist, Ari, met a new character, a troublesome pixie with some troublesome news. So let's tune in and see what she has to tell Ari. Chapter 3, Part 2 We walked for a while through a quaint fey village, till we reached the outskirts where there was a small river blooming with greenery. Small birds chirped alongside strange sounds I'd never heard before. We had stopped here, a giant ladybug-like insect came sauntering down from the nearby stalagmite mountains. I watched it pass and on. I'd never seen a bug the size of a Buick, much less one that was a cross between a ladybug and a great horned beetle. Ah, shucks. I'd better tell Helena her ladyline got out again, the pixie said with a crinkle on her nose. But that can wait. You see above the spire? She pointed far into the distance. I followed her gesture with my gaze to a large spire Above it was a purple vortex. Its crackling of electrically charged ions barely audible from where we stood. It looked terrifying. The purple wisps of cloud formations reminded me of some far-off galaxy. Only in the center, instead of some bright star, was a black hole. That's how he got here. It's right above the biggest city in Underhill. The Minara, the pixie said, sadness welling in her eyes. Why here? Why Underhill? And how did he make that? I shouted, pointing at the vortex. I don't know. All I can say is all his investigation into paranormal led him here, and now he's enslaving our kind. She shouted back. This was when I realized the light seemed to fade, like the dark clouds of the vortex were somehow reaching us. The wings were picking up. I looked to my new friend and saw terror in her eyes. Now I looked behind me, following her gaze, and understood. Above us wasn't some torrential storm, but a giant dragon staring right at us, the wind coming from every beat of its gigantic wings. Teeth dripping with slime falling to the ground beneath it. I could barely make out the titanium band around its enormous neck. A small square green light, blinking on the left side, but gave it away. Run! She screamed, already in motion. I followed, but fumbled and fell. I heard the flame scorch the earth behind me. I felt the heat nip at the soles of my shoes. I scrambled to my feet, catching up to my counterpart. She slid on the ground like a major league baseball player, sliding into home. She grabbed a concealed latch on the desert-like ground, 
and pulled open the trap door. We jumped in, closing it behind us. A furious roar followed our descent into the crawl space. She pressed a finger to my lips, hushing my racing mind from pouring out from between them. We sat in silence and listened to its thunderous and confused roars, till finally the last wing beat died off into the distance. Is that a freaking dragon? Dragons are real too! Where have you been? Under a rock? Yes. Everything the human mind has ever written about or imagined is real, in some form or another, she said in a snooty tone. Look, we almost died, trying to be a little nicer. I mean, I don't even know your name, I said, still in frantic disbelief. It's Alwyn, she said, looking back as she opened the hatch and flew out of the dugout. I climbed the rickety rope ladder and followed Alowen out. What little plant life there was was gone. The earth was black. The passing lady vine from earlier was nothing but a hollow shell floating in a melted puddle of its own insides. Beside the pool, Alowen sat crying. I walked up to her slowly, placing my hand onto her sip-covered shoulder. She wiped her tears, trying to hide her pain. Let's get this mess cleaned up. She walked to the river and began to move her hands like she was conducting a concerto. The water began to float into the air as she guided them to the surrounding fires. I helped with a wooden bucket I found beside the river. It was nearly night when the last ember died out. I was distracted staring at the clockwork flower I'd pulled from my pocket, wondering how I meant to save her, trying to wipe off the soot and blackness from its intricacies. We should wash up too. Alowen's voice echoed as it brought me back to the present moment. You're probably right, I said, feeling exhausted. I placed the clockwork back into my pocket. She grabbed my hand and we waded into the river. When we got in waist-deep, something unimaginable happened. Green and gold light began to surround me, glowing beneath the water. Alowen stepped back. The light was coming from my pocket. I pulled the clockwork out again. Its petals began unfolding as more light came pouring out. I dropped it stunned, and it began to float like a little golden lotus. Swirling beams of light danced in every direction. It cascaded over the burnt plants and scorched ground. It reminded me of the northern lights I had seen on a documentary about Alaska. To our amazement, the plants and earth began to come back to life slowly at first, and then remarkably, even the once dry ground began to fill with grass and flowers. It not only healed it from the dragon's damage, but it fertilized it with new life. A sound came from our right, like a cross between a moo and a purr, as a six-footed solo stampede headed in our direction. Alan's face alight with delight as she flew to me up with the revived lady vine. Looking around me in every direction, I said the only thing that came to mind.